0: Hey, Don. Hey, Jen. What are you listening to this week? Welcome to What Are You Listening To This Week? The weekly podcast where we talk about our favorite songs. Some old, some new, all good. I'm Jen Tully, and this week I'm joined by Don Cento, producer, guitarist, and composer based right here in Austin, Texas. He has recorded, toured, and or shared the stage with the likes of Sarah Jaffe, Ume, Little Jack Melody, and Chomsky, just to name a few. Don also records his own music under the name El Cento and co-leads the instrumental band Shibboleth. I'll tell you more about how you can listen to Don at the end of the show, Also, this week's episode has some great songs, old and new, so be sure to give the playlist a listen and then tune in to Don and I's conversation. With that, let's get started. Don, what are you listening to this week?
1: Well, Jen, I got two songs for you this week. Uh, The first one we'll start with is Hammond Song by a band called The Roaches.
0: Okay, okay. I'm excited about this song. This was a band I was not familiar with until you brought them to my attention. And when I first heard the Roaches, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I think Dawn might have picked like a a punk band or something for us to get into this week. Um, And they are definitely not a punk band. So (laughs) tell me about this band and this song, Dawn.
1: Uh, All right, I'll tell you. You know, they have a punkish energy, though, um, but they are definitely not punk. So they, I had never heard of them until literally about a week ago. Uh, uh, An artist that I'm working with, and I'll give him a name check here, Eamon Fogarty. We were working on some songs and just talking about music in general, and he asked, he referenced this song or this band, and I'd never heard of it, so I pulled it up, and we listened to this first song, or this is actually the second song on this record, the Hammond song. So I listened to it, and it was immediately struck and captivated by just uh well it's got a really cool spooky intro but then they start singing and i was just struck by the quality of their voices they have really really unique voices it's a it's a trio of sisters maggie and terry who started out as a duo and then their sister suzzy (laughs) which is how it's pronounced joined later um uh, and Ma- Maggie and Terry sang on Paul Simon's There Goes Raymond Simons. so that was sort of their entree. And the song comes uh, to us from 1979, so it's that era. But they have these really unique voices individually. In the band they're unique, and then even on the planet they have unique. They're just oddball sort of clarion cl- clarity, there's this keening sort of nasal quality to them. but which might be off-putting to some, but I found fascinating. And so s- solo, they're great, but when they're singing in unison or in harmony, it becomes this whole other thing, this sort of otherworldly, off-kilter, this sort of sibling intonation. I guess blood harmony is a word you hear a lot or a phrase you hear a lot for country music from the hollers. It sort of reminded me of that. It's just really, really oddly compelling and otherworldly. And so that really struck me. And it was also ironic that it was— uh, and we talked, to, you and I spoke a little bit about this ahead of time. It was a, th- a threat to my next song, but it was produced by a guy named Robert Fripp. Yes, who, who we I all come, love from yeah. King
0: Crimson, right? Like, exactly. That's how I think of Robert the, Fripp.
1: And David Bowie yeah. and, you know, all the work with Brian Eno. And um, so I've been sort of doing a little bit of a dive on him. And so it was just sort of this weird uh, synchronicity that he ended up, he was the producer on this record. And he also plays a fantastic guitar solo on the record. And and then I became even more uh, entranced by sort of his production techniques on this record. Because if you think about this guy being from King Crimson, you think it's going to be a verbose, Baroque sort of note right. fest. And it's not. He really kind of gets out of the way and lets these girls sing their songs. And there's, by and large, just an acoustic guitar and the three singers on it. And he'll jump in with some guitar solos here and there. This song actually has... Um, Tony Levin, who was in King Crimson, and Larry Fast, synthesizer player on it. Um, And there's a guy playing Triangle whose name eludes me right now. (laughs) But they get out of the way. Yeah, they just stay out of the way and let the song kind of carry itself and kind of carry the whole thing, which is, I think was really a great move as a producer well and it's what I noticed um,
0: about this song it's what I noticed about the whole album is just like you're talking about like the production value is there and it's beautiful but it doesn't overshadow these harmonies that these sisters are able to produce and blood harmony you do hear about like that siblings are never gonna you know you're never gonna get the same kind of harmony with a non family member as you are yeah. and like you mentioned we've seen it with the Hollers we've seen it with the Judds we've seen it with AJR yeah. we've seen it with Heim, who you and I both took some moment, you know, we compared like Heim might not be able to exist without the Roaches, right? Like they really seemed like a precursor um, to Heim to me and so that was another thing that I loved about them because they're kind of kooky. When you listen to the whole album, like their songs are really kind of out there lyrically um, and yeah. lots of time changes and things that me yeah. not being, you know, a producer or a musician myself, just a music fan, it really seemed, um, complicated for something that was so stripped down. Do you know what I mean? That's what struck me I, about it.
1: I do. I do know what you mean. There is there is a layer of complication that goes on in these songs in the complexity, but they pull it off so effortlessly. It doesn't feel at first blush, you know, complex. And I love the Heim thing that you brought that up and the humor because there is sort of that's what I connected them to with Heim's because I've listened to Heim's records not a lot, but it, I'm more interested in their Instagram because I think they're kind of hilarious. They are. And I think the Roaches, this song is sort of the exception on the record. Like this is the most emotionally available song on the record. Everything else is sort of kind of has a, uh, I kind of refer to it as like a, um, what was the word I was using? Oh, like a Catskill sense of humor. (laughs) Kind of an old fashioned, almost campy sort of. In, a lot of inside jokes, but I don't feel like they're winking at the audience. I feel like they're coming by it honestly, yeah you know? and i I feel like I feel that way when I see Haim. like I don't think they're they're being goofy, but I think they're being genuinely goofy like I think that's who they are, and it comes across as sort of a i don't know kind of a sweet amusing thing to me agree it doesn't feel cutesy, but you know you know again, they just come by it honestly, and this song in particular they're not all their songs actually all the roaches songs. Are pretty lyrically direct. Like they don't hide behind metaphor. It's literally like pages ripped from their diary. This is what I did today. This is what happened. And they kind of don't an- necessarily analyze the feelings, but they'll just tell you what happens, and that paints that story, which I think is really cool.
0: Yeah, agreed. And you know, just lyrically too, I loved in this song. You know, they have a line that says, "Why didn't you face the fact, you old upstart? We fall apart." Yeah, and I was like. All right ladies like that was um, that was pretty bold, I feel like for the time for women to be saying that um, and the other thing I was curious about is they had they they were pretty prolific they had lots of albums they recorded for a long time for being a band i wasn 't familiar with. Um, yeah. There's a song called Love Losing True on their Keep On Doing album from 1982. Um, and I listened all the way through to one of their last albums, I believe it was, called Moonswept from 2007, wondering if, they're, if they sounded updated, you know, or if they sort of kept the same right. feel. And I'm happy to report that they really, like they stayed <laughs> folksy the whole time. They never sold out. There's not you know, a disco moment or an electronic right, moment right. or anything in their music, like they really stayed folky. So um, I love that. And then just another like fun fact about this band, we could go on all day, but um, Lucy Wainwright um, is the daughter yeah. of Suzy and Loudon Wainwright III. So um, I thought that that was interesting. I, um, I've i always been a fan of Rufus Wainwright and Martha Wainwright. And so um, learning that Lucy Wainwright was um, one of the a daughter of one of the sisters of the roaches was pretty cool so this was a a, fascinating yeah this was a fun song and a fun album and a fun band to sort of dive into deep and with your second
1: my second song was diy by peter gabriel so good that's such a cool song and this comes off his second solo record they're all all his first four solo records are all called peter gabriel but this one is commonly referred to as scratch based on the cover artwork which is killer cover artwork and so Peter Gabriel's solo records are a place that I always return to when I'm looking for inspiration when I'm trying to write I just kind of go back and listen because he's always been one of my favorite artists he's the way he explores the way he uses sound and you know just Texture and builds energy in his song. So I always just go back there.
0: I'm curious. I I just, this this song in particular, um, I like, I have to know because it immediately gave me vibes. And this is not anything I would ever associate Peter Gabriel with. Um, And I love Peter Gabriel too from back in the day. I loved it when he was in Genesis. I love him solo. So big fan. But for whatever reason, this song, this particular song, totally gave me replacements vibes. Did you get that?
1: Interesting. No, I can see that though, I think. There it's just sort of yeah, I didn't get the replacements, but there's that sort of driving quality to the song. It's just sort of this straight up driving rock and roll. Yeah. And it's sort of he's he's sort of like this angry English young man sort of spitting lyrics angrily. It kind of the lyrically kind of reminded me of Elvis Costello a little okay. bit like, yeah. So this was 78, Costello's first record was 77, I think, around the same time. I wonder if there was some sort of Meeting of the Minds going on, because I don't think he really vocally gets like this much later on. I think he kind of did more in Genesis. Like this feels song feels like a bridge from Genesis to the Peter Gabriel we started hearing on the third solo record and the fourth solo record. Um, but I just love the, uh, the, again, the production on this one. This is a really tricky song with a lot of like meter changes, a lot of complicated ideas, harmonic ideas, but the production just kind of stays out of the way. The band is really playing great. It's really grooving. Tony Levin's really driving it, but they're just staying out of the way and it keeps uncluttered. And I think that's what keeps it driving and moving and feeling great the entire way through.
0: And talk about lyrics. I mean, you kind of touched on it. Like this one, it is, I, you said it perfectly. Like he's just spitting out these lyrics and you do, you feel like, because I always think of Peter Gabriel. It's like, if he's a nice, like seems like such a nice fellow, you know? And in this one, right. he's really like, he's got something to say. And yeah. I um, yep. I loved, this is like, I'm putting this in my all time favorite lyrics. Do you function like a dummy with a new ventriloquist? Do you say nothing yourself? I mean, yeah. it's poetry. That's beautiful. Yep. <laughs>
1: (laughs) It really is. And that's the line that reminded me of Costello a little bit the most in in the song. Yeah. Just sort of the big word and kind of spitting it out. It's great.
0: And I don't know if it was more, you know, musically that I was getting Replacements vibes or lyrically. I don't know. But for whatever reason, um, I just as as soon as I heard it, I'm like, am I really like feeling this? I never would have (laughs) compared Peter Gabriel to the Replacements. but
1: I'll have to go back and listen with that in mind. But yeah, I I love I love I just love the energy of it.
0: Yeah, I love, I mean, this is a great one. And I think too, it inspired me to kind of go back to those first four albums, which, um, let's see, Peter Gabriel, one is Cars, is that right? Two is Scratch, three is Melt, four...
1: Is what is four? I can't remember. I, I can't remember what
0: four is either, but yeah, super good and definitely worth revisiting. I think, you know, people know a lot of eighties and nineties, Peter Gabriel, um, they think of him as sort of being the first to kind of blend that Afro sound with modern music. Def- and, yep. um, you know, they know uh, obviously some of his big hits, you know, in your eyes and things like that, but it's really, I think worth a listen to go back and check out those early, early Peter Gabriel albums, you know, right after he left Genesis and I think 1975 and started recording these albums in 77 maybe was I think think the first one was 76 or
1: 77 yeah yeah. right around there but you're right yeah it's a a fascinating bridge between the progginess of Genesis and I mean he's still sort of proggy he's always been proggy he's always been progressive but it's just a great, it's a great bridge. And the first, it sounds so odd if you grew up listening to So, like I did, and then you go back and listen to Peter Gabriel 1, you're like, well, this is just a rock record. What's going on here? Yeah. But then you just sort of digging, dig in and pull away the layers and really start to listen to it. And he's... Really a fascinating writer.
0: Always. Always has something cool to say and always just yeah. has, you know, such great energy and just, yeah, you just feel it. I think that Peter Gabriel is an artist that I always feel as much as I hear. So I love that about yeah, him. Yeah, for sure.
1: He always has a great band.
0: Well, I had one song on repeat this week that, um, that I just kept playing and it's a pretty new song. I'm wondering if you had a chance to listen. Um, it's called You and Me by Alt-J.
1: I did. I listened to it a lot yesterday and a little bit this morning, and it's a great song. And I've uh, always loved Alt-J. So I had not heard this one, so it was super cool to hear it.
0: Yeah. I You know, Alt-J is one of those bands that are kind of hit or, hit or miss for me. I always joke. I'm like, they're like the Woody Allen of bands for me, right? Like some of it I really <laughs> love, um, and some of it I'm like, man. Maybe not, but I get what they do, and I think it's really cool. I think, you know, when we talked about the Roaches and some of their quirky lyrics, I mean, I think Alt-J is almost like one of the kings of that, of you know, of this day and age. Um, they just really pull together some kooky lyrics um, that I think are funny to listen to while also providing a vibe of a song. You know, I think that it's um, yeah. at any time you turn them on, you're getting a certain vibe. Um, and I love. They say uh, when I was reading and kind of digging in about the song, this was apparently inspired by um, a day one of the band members had at a music festival in Melbourne. And when you listen to it through that context, it's like, oh man, I just love the re- the relatability of of having a day like that. You know, us yeah. being based here in Austin. You know, we get the privilege of the Austin City Limits Music Fest every year, and you know them recording the show here. I know, Don, you're a regular at um, at ACL Music Fest on the stage Um, and so I felt like this song really captured that for me whether it was like you know the first time I saw Muse play Knights of Sidonia" live at ACL or (laughs) um, that great ACL show um, that Tom Petty was a headliner it was must have been like 2007 ish maybe four ish um, and it rained and Tom Petty was playing in the rain you know where it just captures the song to me captured those feelings um, and I just I love the way they chant the chorus and then at the yep. end you know they sort of chant that I could hold on to the memory of that day for the rest of my life like it's just I love that they like chant almost chanted it almost felt tribal those two parts of the song
1: it's great yeah I love the way the uh, sort of the uh, you know because those big long festival days they start out you know you're, you're, you're well dressed you're clean you're <laughs> sober they start out great but by the end of the day, it's a, usually a different kind of story. The sun's down, some, but somehow you're sunburned. And you, you, you don't know how you got there or where you're going. Right. And I like the way that the story kind of evolves like that, too. Like the first verse is a little more, he's like having a hot dog. And right. then the second verse gets a little weirder, and it just kind of gets weirder and weirder. But you still, those days, like we've had those days at ACL Festival. Yeah. And you, we still hold on to those memories. We still talk about them. You know, I, I love that about it. And did you watch the video for this song?
0: I didn't. I saw part of like the, you know, just the like boomerang that goes along with it while it's playing on Spotify, but I haven't watched the whole video. I bet it's amazing. Their videos are so kooky.
1: The video is super cool. It's very trippy.
0: Okay, good. I'm going to... Well, and I have to I have to revisit, too. You said he talks about eating a hot dog, but he really, like, again, Alt-J brings it with the lyrics, happiness is between two buns, feeling funky yeah. on a rolling boil. I'm like, yep, been yep. there. <laughs> and any song that can um, work in a shout out to Stellan Skarsgård, I mean, like, extra yeah. points for that. Like, he didn't go for Alexander or Bill. Like, he went full tilt with uh, Stellan Skarsgård reference, so... <laughs> I love that. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Dawn. What a fun episode this was to record. Um, I've enjoyed chatting with you, and I'm so happy you introduced me to the Roaches. Those are ladies that I'm going to be visiting. Um, I'll be revisiting time and time again, and and so timely now too. You know, I think it's interesting that as we're revisiting these two songs, you know, from the late '70s, we've got you know Kate Bush charting right now with "Running Up That right. Hill," you know, from um, Stranger Things, and I think a lot of the songs from the 90s kind of revived with Yellow Jackets. I think television and streaming are doing so much for music right now. And that's one of the things that I love about the format of the show is that we're introducing songs that might be old or might be new in terms of time frame or release date, but Anything that I haven't heard before, I consider a new song. And so I loved that there were these two, you know, artists. And I was familiar with Peter Gabriel, but not the Roaches. And so I just love that we're sort of skipping all over time, you know, to to get to our playlist these days. And it's so accessible. That's
1: great. Well... Thank you for having me. I had a blast chatting, as always. I wow. love the show, and I can't wait to see what you, uh, you guys cook up next.
0: Thank you so much, Don. I enjoyed you being here. And listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Don and hear some of his music, please visit doncento.com. That's D-O-N-C-E-N-T-O.com. And please join us again next week to find your new favorite song.